Frosted Leaf is Denver's most innovative dispensary. What I like about Frosted Leaf would probably be their knowledgeable bud tenders, their online kiosk, their online ordering, and then just pick up at the store. And then they're always getting new genetics as well, so that's always cool. Like Edgar mentioned, Frosted Leaf gives you no lines, no weight, and a self-paced direct shopping experience that allows a fast yet comfortable transaction without the awkwardness of a waiting room. Not only does Frosted Leaf have the hottest strains, but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases. I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help. Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today. Broncos country is sitting in the south stands drinking the curds from my Best part of the weekend Hugging a perfect stranger Cause they become a friend Having a good time when the orange and blue W-I-N Tuning in every day with the good folks down at Welcome, welcome, welcome into the BSN Broncos podcast. And if you are hearing our voices, it means we're back, baby. We are back. The site is rolling, and we are so happy to be back with you guys. I'm Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andre Simone. And before we dive into the show, let me tell you about our presenting sponsor, Strava Craft Coffee. I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. Use promo code BSN2018 and receive 20% off. Again, when you use that code BSN2018. Strava Craft Coffee is a CBD-infused coffee, and it not only tastes incredible, but it can relieve everyday aches and pains, anxiety, migraines, and so much more. Some people here at the office swear by it, so make sure you check them out and use that promo code BSN2018. 2018 you might need some to get over this damn cold of yours oh boy i'll tell you what today i feel better than i sound and that's that's a good thing because the past few days it's been the opposite i've sounded better than i've felt but dre we're back i'm happy to be with you i'm happy to be with these listeners i mean yeah you guys you guys probably thought we just fell off the face of the earth we probably didn't make it through new orleans which we did make it through New Orleans. We did, was, we uh, did. It was a great time. Of course, we had the technical difficulties on Friday, uh, so we weren't able to, to wrap up the week. We did a podcast on Monday and Tuesday, just weren't able to drop them. But now you guys are just swimming in so much of our podcast. Of course, Ryan Koningsberg is in Atlanta covering the Super Bowl. Right. Make sure you check out the site. He's got some awesome pieces on there uh, from his coverage of the Super Bowl. And hopefully... In the next 24 hours before Thursday's pod, uh, we can touch base with him, get some tidbits on what he's yeah. learning down there. Yeah, big time. Um, but now that we're back, Dre, there's some uh, there's some news that came down the line. We touched on it yesterday, and of course, when we touched on it, it was breaking. Uh, right. Not so breaking when you guys right. listen to it. Yep. But the Broncos now have officially hired T.C. McCartney as their quarterback coach. And, of course, McCartney sounds familiar to a lot of people in Colorado. And the reason, Bill McCartney, that was his – that he is Bill McCartney's grandson. Um, 
and Salinesi, the the CU quarterback, that's his right. father. I mean, right. he is so rooted in Colorado. Uh, he went to Fairview High School, graduated there. Uh, in the past few years, has had some familiarity with Rich Scangarello out, yeah. out in uh, San Francisco as the offensive assistant when Rich Scangarello was the quarterback coach. Yeah, interesting hire. I mean, we're talking about a kid whose story is, I mean, built into Colorado football lore from the the glory days. Mm. Uh, you know, unbeknownst to to the head coach at the time, Bill McCartney was his. I mean, uh, TC's dad, who was the quarterback, Salinesi, was dating uh, Bill, the head coach's daughter. And, um, you know, it might have been a sticky situation, but they dealt with it masterfully. Um, you know, they they decided to keep the child. Uh, and then Sal got sick. And, you know, while that is an incredibly sad story, that was really motivating to those early 90s Buffs teams to go ahead and, you know, win a national championship and play some of the best years in program history, uh, in part for Sal. And it is just amazing to come full circle and now have this, you know, this this baby that was uh, such a big story because the quarterback impregnated the head coach's um, the daughter and, and they kept him and raised him because, you know, his father passed. So I'm sure that Bill, his grandfather, was a big, big part of his his life, you know, and I mean. Bill is such a phenomenal man. He was a big part of a lot of people's lives and a father figure to a lot of people, not just his grandson. So really an amazing, amazing backstory. So for, for our out-of-towners or for our non-Buffs fans, I just wanted to share that story because it's pretty incredible and pretty incredible that now he's joined the Broncos staff as the quarterback's coach. More interesting, the Broncos coaching staff was not immobile, of course, unlike last year where they mm. were and got an eye and were able to coach everyone. And TC kind of took over duties as the quarterback coach in Mobile for the 49ers staff. What's that mean? That South team that didn't have Drew Locke and Daniel Jones, but it did have guys like Jared Stidham, uh, Gardner Minshew, Terry Jackson, and I'm blanking on the last one. I'll figure that out in a second when I pass the mic to you. So we do have someone on this staff now that's worked very closely with these senior bowl quarterbacks. So that's an interesting caveat to all that. And on top of that, Ryan interviewed TC just to talk to him about Rich Scangarello. So you can check that piece out on the website. Uh, so lots of insights on that. Very interesting hire. And uh, that's about what I've got for you. Yeah, and I believe that TC uh, told Ryan that losing Rich Gangarello was a big loss for the 49ers right. and a big gain for the Broncos. And I bet Rich Gangarello would probably say the exact same thing about TC. Now it's a big loss for the 49ers uh, and a big win for the Broncos getting him. And you're absolutely right. It's really interesting to draw back at the Senior Bowl. The coaches weren't there. John Elway was there. And we know John's going to have uh, you know, the, the biggest input yep. on who the quarterback is. But we also you know, have a good feeling that Rich Gangarello is going to have an input into that quarterback, which I don't know if Bill Musgrave was having much input last year. And I don't think Mike McCoy was having much input the year before. I do nope. think Rich Gangarello will have the most input of any of the offensive coordinators in the right. past three seasons. 
And you would think that the quarterback coach would be able to get in Scangrello's ear at least. Right. Uh, and then, you know, that trickles into John Elway. Uh, but John's now probably drawing on T.C. McCartney a little bit and saying, okay, what'd you learn about Will Greer? Right. Uh, would you? Uh, I don't. I don't even say. think he's going to ask about Tyree Jackson. But Boy, I hope not. One of the things we learned last week was Kyle Shanahan and John Gruden said they're going to be very open with each other about what they're yes. learning. Yes. And, and, and that then both teams just benefit even more. So, whereas the Broncos don't get the inside information on on what's going on with John Gruden's staff over there or Kyle Shanahan. Those two have so much in-depth information. They're sharing it with each other. Yep. So T.C. McCartney not only gets the inside on the guys on his team, but he gets the inside on Drew Locke uh, on those quarterbacks, you know, I, at least to an extent. Um, and seeing him in person, that's something no one on the Broncos coaching staff did. A hundred percent. And there's a reason John Elway excuse me there's a reason John Elway goes to Missouri and watches Drew right. Locke in person it's because yep. in person is different so now you at Big least time. had a few different sets of eyes mm-hmm. watching Drew Locke as you know a lot of people think he he's the Broncos guy right not to mention all the local scouts who do all that kind of work year-round of course and some insights from the final senior bowl practice um you were you know uh Elway, um, Ryan was off doing the exclusive with Elway. You were off doing, you know, big time reporter type stuff. <laughs> I was stuck waiting for Drew Locke to finish, finish a damn TV hit. And I never got to talk to him because as soon as he finished that, then scouts needed to talk to him. And I was waiting on Daniel Jones, but a Bronco scout was talking to him the whole time. So I just kind of wandered around. I got some great quotes from Terry McLaurin, the Ohio State wide receiver that we talked about all week. And then I sat in on a a TV hit that um, Gruden was doing for Raiders.com. And that's something that Gruden did talk about was that in Friday, on Friday, which is the, the one day where there's no open practices and the game was being played the next day, that the Niners staff and the Raiders staff were going to swap teams Mm. and talk to them for about two hours, put them on the board, interview Mm. them, have all that stuff. So in that time, Kyle Shanahan, T.C. McCartney, and that 49ers staff would have had the ability to talk to Drew Locke, Daniel Jones, and those North quarterbacks, which were definitely the better of the two quarterbacking teams. So there's a a little insight for you on how that went down and how – both teams were able to kind of, uh, you know, test out all the guys that were available at the Senior Bowl, not just the guys on their own squad. That's some great insight, and you hope that TC was able to pull Drew Locke aside because I don't know if Kyle Shanahan would want to talk to him much <coughs> and use a lot of his resources talking to him, but you hope TC got in there. John said, hey, TC, uh, next <laughs> right. week next week, let's meet. Right. Uh, but in order to, to meet next week, if you know what I mean, you need to talk to Drew Locke. So hopefully he got that insight there. And Bill McCartney last night released a statement yeah. on the Broncos bringing TC home. Here's what he said. He said, I'm thrilled by this news. Ever since TC was young, he expressed the desire that someday he wanted to be a coach. This is another step in his ultimate goal to one day become a head coach. TC started at the ground level and worked his way up. He earned this because of his work ethic and how he's become a total student of the game. I knew I wanted to be a coach by the time I was seven years old. TC's career path has mirrored that. This opportunity is a testimony to his hard work and dedication to the profession. And TC's young. 
TC was born in 89. I mean, oh, so, you know. Yuck. <laughs> He's younger than me, Zach. Isn't oh, that, no. You know, when you reach that age where professional athletes are, are older than you, you're like, wow, this is weird. I never thought this would happen. Yep. Now, like, can I still look up to him? You know, how do I right, do that? Right, right, right. But now coaches, Dre, coaches are older than you. Or younger than you. You're older than coaches. I'm older than coaches. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm like a year older than Sean McVay because <laughs> I would have to just, uh, yeah. Wait, younger? I'm a year younger a year than younger. Sean yep, McVay. Yep, yep. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah, I do remember that Like as a college senior thinking like, boy, uh, there's guys who will be drafted out of high school in the NBA who are younger than me now, and that's insane. Yeah. And now the Broncos quarterbacks coach is younger than me. <laughs> wow. There you go. Wow. And and so there were there were really two points from that. And the first is that this is just another step for TC. Yeah. You know, and and, yeah. and Bill was a great motivator mm-hmm. um and obviously put very, very high ceilings for his players. And it's yes. clear he's doing the same with TC. He's not saying congratulations. Uh, you've made it now that you're back home with your team and now, you know, a real position as QB coach as opposed to an offensive assistant. You know, I'm sure that comes with a pretty good pay raise too. But he's not saying you're good now. Uh, He's still pushing him. And the other thing was Bill made it very clear, tried to make it very clear that this wasn't handed to TC because he was the grandson um, of Bill McCartney and because Mm -hmm. he was the son of a college quarterback. He had to earn it. And what's what's interesting is, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. Uh, he wasn't given anything, but we've seen the Kubiaks uh, come through the NFL. Heck, and the Shanahan's. The Shanahan's come the through Grudens. the NFL. Yeah. The Gruden's, exactly. And what's interesting is you pair this, where you know definitely some coaching ties in, in the bloodline. You pair it with Rich Scangarello, who is the complete opposite. Right. And I, I like that there's a balance there. That it's not, um, you know, John Elway. Kyle Shan- the the Shanahan's and the Kubiaks all yeah. just you know the 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 uh you have to be you have to have the last name in order to be in the building. Right, definitely. I think it is more of a credit to Scangarello and Scangarello must have given a great endorsement on uh TC who's obviously a very young coach and uh that coach on the offensive side at least has plenty of promise. So to be able to pluck another young promising coach from that staff is really intriguing. Um, though in some ways it only enhances the fact that just two years ago you had a chance to hire these guys' mm. bosses and <laughs> you kind of you kind of screwed the pooch there. But as you would remind us, Kyle Shanahan's uh, win re- win loss record still worse than Vance Joseph. And if he never got Garoppolo, it'd be way worse. Um, Boy, that's an interesting way to look at it. The Broncos are plucking all of these coaches from Kyle Shanahan. Now Kyle Shanahan's done some good things with the offense with the limited resources he's had. Yep. But it's not like it's not like you're getting, you know, a winning guys coming from a winning culture. Yeah, exactly. And you know, sometimes that's uh that's said in a coaching search is, you know, we want guys with a winning background that know how to win. Absolutely. To be fair, the past 2 years, uh your offensive coordinator and your quarterback coach don't know how to win. Right. They, they don't. So that, that's a very interesting point. And Dre, another move was made yesterday on the coaching staff. The Broncos hired Rob Calabrese to be their offensive assistant. Um, to, so kind, kind of do the groundwork. Yeah. Um, and 
he it no no one knows who he is. Mm-hmm. So let me tell you about him. He there was the running backs coach at Wagner. Wagner wow. probably is now sounding familiar to people because that's where Rich Gangarello was the offensive coordinator in 2016. Right. So he was Rich Gangarello's running back coach in 2016 when Scangarello moved to the 49ers to be their quarterbacks coach. Um, Calabrese was then promoted to be Wagner's offensive coordinator, and that's what he's been the past two seasons. And Dre, when we talked about this this morning, you uh, you had some very interesting words. Yeah, I mean, okay, let me let me preface this. You know, I'm. <laughs> No one has got you more excited about the Scangarello hire than I have with our <laughs> film room. I actually, you know, it wasn't just speculation. I found plays from Wagner that he was calling as an offensive coordinator and matched them up and showed you how the same exact plays were being run by the 49ers. He's got that 49ers playbook. He's already implemented it, or rather the Cal Shanahan playbook. So that's worth getting excited about and everything. But isn't it a little silly that we didn't hire Gary Kubiak because he wanted to keep Rick Dennison and Periani, but we're super cool with, uh, you know, Scangarello and his band of unknown young coaches <laughs> who really have nothing to their credit. I mean, Dennison was the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills with Tyrod Taylor, no wide receivers, not a great offensive line, a washed up Shady McCoy, and they went to the playoffs. <laughs> but it's like, no, no, Dennison, that guy's terrible. Give me a guy who was born in 89 and has no like real coaching experience of any kind. Are you kidding me? Oh no, let's hire let's hire the running back coach from Wagner. That sounds great. Cause we'd all heard about how prolific Wagner was before Skangarel. You know, it's just it's it's kinda like I'm living in bizarre world at some point. This is kind of insane. And that's not to say I'm down, but that's you know, to have some fun on the pod and play devil's advocate here, it does seem a little wacky that we're, you know, we're all ready to to talk up these guys who have done absolutely nothing at the NFL level. But, oh, God forbid we take experienced coaches that have rings to their name. That'd be a terrible hire. Not Dennison and Periani. Please give me T.C. McCartney and Calabresi, who, by the way, most Italian name in, on this stuff. His last name literally means from Calabria. So, like... It doesn't get better than that. That is, Dre is back in his in his happy fashion <laughs> again. No, but seriously, I mean, Dre, it's a it's a fantastic point, and I don't think it's one that anyone else is talking about right now. Because yeah, w- when there's crazy. a coaching staff, and I actually am working on an article right now about this coaching staff, and it's not the first time we've seen something like this or felt the same way about this. So I kind of dive there into that. Uh, hopefully release that early next week um but th- there's always positivity and optimism when you're looking at a coaching staff and yeah. yeah the 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 scangarello hire lowest floor we haven't shied away from that yep potentially sure why not the highest ceiling because the unknown of it, course you don't know right. what he is right um kind of just like kyler murray lowest floor maybe also the highest highest ceiling just because he's right. different and yep. Scangarello is different so yeah there's optimism good point um and and everyone focuses on the optimism which it, which is good fine right. we Mc- want to be optimistic that's totally fine exactly yes. TC McCartney's a great story yeah oh phenomenal I mean I was almost tearing up while I explained that uh, exactly you know, story early on it's amazing it really is 
Now, we don't know, you know, how great he is at developing quarterbacks. We don't know if maybe he was was the mastermind working with Nick Mullins last year. Right, uh, for and all we know. Right. you know, just had the, the, the higher title, so he took all the credit, or right. all the credit was given to him. Maybe that's the case. Right. Maybe, uh, you know, he was working with the guards, and the guards weren't very good. Right. And, you know, right. we, we, we don't know. Yeah. So, so that's something that we'll find out. But what's so interesting about this is looking at the guys they passed up on. And Rick Dennison, everyone applauded John Elway not hiring Gary Kubiak because Rick Dennison, um, you, you know, he because Rick Dennison would have come along. Right. But he's an experienced guy. He, he He's yeah. had success. I mean, pointing yeah. that, that he had success with Tyrod Taylor and the Buffalo Bills, that's huge. I know they only put up, what, like three points in that playoff game, but still – Sure. What he was able right. to do, the Broncos didn't make the playoffs that yeah. year but when they moved on from him. It's a really interesting point, and maybe, you know, it's clear John Elway wants to be innovative and wants to be forward-thinking, yeah. yeah. and, and he's admitted that, and he said that was going to be part of hiring the offensive coaches, and clearly that's been a major part. Maybe he got too caught up with it, um, and, you know, t- time will tell. Time will tell, right 100%. Now, Right now you have a rookie head coach, yeah. a rookie offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. a rookie quarterbacks coach. Yeah. So, you know, things yeah. could things could take off. Everyone could could mesh and mold together. Or this is something where in two years, I'm not going to sit here and say, wow, I'm shocked that that all didn't work out. Right. Because I'm not shocked. Yeah. And, and it's clear they're going for the home run. And sometimes when you when you swing for the fences, sometimes you do hit that grand slam. Yep. Sometimes you strike out three times in a row. Yeah. And so, Dre, this brings me to the question of, I just said it, rookie head coach, rookie offensive coordinator, rookie quarterback coach. Does this mean you have to get a rookie quarterback this year? <sighs> it's interesting. I mean, <laughs> that would buy everyone some time, wouldn't it, Zach? It would buy John some time. Good old mm, number seven all yeah. of a sudden has a little more leeway. Because you have that rookie quarterback and you say, hey, let's see how this rookie quarterback works out. It's kind of, um, you know, though, I was going to make a parallel to the Jets. I guess that didn't work out because their staff was cut. Um, but, you know, typically if you have a rookie quarterback, you say, okay, well, we can live with that rookie season. Let's see what happens after that. Um, but, yeah, I think it'd be it'd be a perfect matchup to groom a rookie quarterback with this young coaching staff that has had coaching experience in the college ranks and can kind of do their best to adapt. You know, the staff has been, if nothing else, adaptable. And everything we heard about Scangarello from the 49ers, and we were really on top of that with being in in Mobile and being able to talk to all those guys. So I think, you know... I don't want to just be a Debbie Downer. There's There's been a lot of encouraging signs from the intel that we've gotten from that staff about this hire, and I'm a, I'm assuming that McCartney will, will have similar excitement. It'll be great to talk to Ryan, who knows him better than yep. I would venture 90% of uh, NFL media. Without a doubt. Um, because of his CU connections and the fact that he really started covering that program. So he'll be able to give us some great insights when we call him tomorrow. And, you know, one thing that's lost in this is that the youth movement, is th- if there is one positive thing, and this is something that's been talked about in several sports, and I think it's a big advantage the Rams have had 
is that you have young coaches. Young coaches can relate to millennials better. Hmm. And that's maybe been an area where we've fallen short the last few years. Sure. Is, I mean, whether it's because the staff is or isn't able to adjust to millennials, I don't know. But certainly their ability to develop young players in the past three, four years hasn't stood out. Um, so if they can do a better job of that by relating to and communicating to the players in a in a way that's that just grabs them more, uh, that would be huge, you know, and that could be a big advantage in this youth movement. Um, and I've kind of hijacked your question, but going back to the quarterback, the rookie quarterback, yeah, I think the stars are aligning pretty nicely. And regardless, I mean, this is the easiest money you win is Broncos drafting a quarterback. Just don't select what round. That's where it gets tricky. But regardless, I think, you know, as I've said, with after what happened to Chad Kelly, you need more youth in the building. You need guys who you feel like, okay, even if it might take a little while, we can develop this guy. He'll have a 10, 20, 30, 40, 50% chance of de developing in that quarterback of the future. Rounds one through seven, a quarterback will be taken at least once in those rounds. Who knows, though, after that. All I can say, Dre, is those darn millennials. <laughs> those millennials, they always get you. I think you qualify as a millennial. <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> um, but but I'll, I'll go one step further. It's got to be in the first round. You have to draft oh, a quarterback we agree on that. in the first round this yeah. year. Yeah. And unless, here's the only caveat, unless there's no one in this draft that you view as a number 10 as a top 10 pick right if there's right. no quarterback that you view as a top 10 pick then don't do it and we'll and get into that i think in this show we which will be fun we certainly will get into that and uh, let's say there's one guy that you view as a top 10 pick haskins kyler murray drew Locke, will greer which i don't think it would be him Ugh, but of those oh three God. let's say there's only one yeah trade up to number one to get him yeah make trade it up to number five if you think he's going to be there actually no just trade up wherever you need to get in order to get him. Don't worry about his height. Don't worry about what other people are saying about him. If it's Drew Locke and a lot of people think he's maybe the second or third guy, not not the first guy, don't worry about that. Right. Go up and get him. Yeah. Go and get him because now's the time. Rookie, yeah. j just yeah. mold all of these rookies together. Get all of the ro rookie learning curves out of the way this right. season. Yep. You're not going to be competing this year no matter what unless – I don't even know unless Andrew Luck comes here, unless you know. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say unless Aaron Phil Rogers has like a here. Barry Sanders type season. Right, like. exactly. It, it, it's not going to happen this year, so don't make this a two or three year process. Make it right. just a one year process. Yep. Get all of that out Good of the point. way. So, just Do you worry at all that with the inexperience of the coaching staff, and especially if you trade up. It's kind of giving like the keys to the Lambo to like your sixteen-year-old child. Mm. Mm. Like, is there a little of that in this? And obviously, Scangarello, his selling point is he's worked really well with inexperienced young quarterbacks. Right. So maybe that's not the case. You know, maybe your your sixteen-year-old kid is actually one of the best go kart drivers in the country. So hey, he drives that go kart so well, he can handle the Lambo just fine. And I don't disagree with you. The only counter to it is, 
what, you're going to give your 17-year-old kid the keys to the Lambo (laughs) next year? You know, it's not changing. You've set it up this way, so now you've got to either do it now or you've got to do it in one year. And, yeah, you you, you get a year of driving under your belt. That'll help, but it's not like you're turning the keys over in one year to – you know, instead of a 16-year-old, a 55-year-old. Right. It's, uh, it's not like Kubiak's coming back next season or something. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah. It, because we know Dennison isn't coming back. <laughs> right. So if Dennison's not coming oh, back, man. there's no Kubes. All right, Trey, I love the conversation in the first segment, and, boy, we just have more uh, exciting things to talk about in the second yes. and the third segment. We're going to dive into some Hall of Fame talk and probably my favorite thing ever, some mock drafts. We'll do that after All this break. Right. When it comes to insurance, sometimes you never really realize how important it can be until you actually need it. Well, here at BSN Denver, we recommend Farmers Agent Bryce Babcock to all of our listeners as one of the most trusted and reliable agents in the metro area. If I was a customer looking for a new agency, I would recommend Bryce because his agency hands down is the fastest people I've ever dealt with to get information back to you. That was David. He's been a client of Bryce's for over three years now. I used to have my homeowner's insurance with another farmer's agency that never really followed up, never followed up on the price. My price was actually dropped by almost 20 to 30 percent switching over to Bryce, even with the same company. And like I said, his follow-up is awesome. He guarantees you at least a one-time-a-year follow-up that he will sit back and review your file with you. Like David mentioned, Bryce guarantees that type of communication because he understands how important it is to be relatable and accessible. He's a great person to not only be your agent, but he's a great person to be your friend as well. If you're interested in making the switch to Bryce Babcock for your life, home, business, or auto insurance, be sure to call 303-996-6509 and mention BSN. Welcome back to the BSM Broncos podcast. Zach Stevens rolling with Andre Simone with you guys today, and we're happy to be back. You you guys are are overloaded with podcasts right now. Not sure which one you guys started off with, but uh, hopefully you're all caught up. Now, you're probably going to be sitting on about four hours of podcast podcast content. Podcast gold. Maybe you have a long drive. Maybe you're waking up four hours early just to listen to us. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it is, we're happy to be back yeah, with you time. guys, and we're happy uh, to, to finally hear from you. Get some comments. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, make sure you check out the new website. Oh, boy. It, yeah. is, it is something pretty. Uh, make sure you go in there and you leave your comments so that we yes. can, we can finally hear from you. I'll tell you what. We are missing you guys so make sure please hit us up we've had a lot of people hit us up on twitter over these past few days and we really appreciate all of the support yeah all right dre speaking of support the broncos are going to need a lot of support on saturday Mm. from the hall of fame selection committee they they have the broncos have four or five depending on how you want to look at it or five or six Got no four or five wow, guys, wow, wow, depending wow. on how you look at it, up for the Hall of Fame this weekend. I don't, I don't even remember if there's ever been a time where there's been that many guys that we've been talking about, and it's not a popular take. But right now, the NFL and the selection committee um, are giving the Broncos their fair respect. They're, they're giving them their due, um, and so this year at least, it, and sitting right now before the Hall of Fame selection yeah. happens. You can't be pulling the disrespect card, how the NFL and the league and the country disrespects the Broncos. They right. have like 
of the guys up for the Hall are Broncos right now. That is yeah, pretty that crazy. is impressive. So of course you have you have Pat Bolin um, and Gil Brandt both up to be contributor finalists. Uh, right. Only two guys in that selection, and they can both go in. That's the key yeah. thing here. It's not yes. one or the other. Right. What needs to happen is Pat needs to receive 80% approval from the selection committee. This typically always happens. I mean, there's been one or two times where, where someone has not received that 80%, and it's because they were a very controversial figure. Pat Bolin is anything but controversial yep. when it 100%. comes to the NFL. Um, you know, he's just he was just such a a guy that stood in the background that didn't he wasn't Jerry Jones. Right. You know, Ryan right. and I always talk about could you imagine if John Elway or Joe Ellis or Pat Bolin back in the day talked to the media after every single game? I mean, it is it is I can't even think about I can't comprehend what that would be like because of just how different that is and how self promoting that is. And right. that's actually not good. But when the owner is talking after every single game, and that was the complete opposite of Pat Bowen. So really, yep. that that was his biggest, I guess I say, flaw in this process was not taking credit and not right. being a look at me guy. Right. Um, so now now that he's cleared that and people have recognized him, and now he's one of these two contributor finalists, he he should be in. Yeah, and I mean the timing of this is crucial. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that at some point Pat will get in. I mean, it's just, it would go beyond logic to not put someone who's been so essential to contributing to the game the way he has in one of the NFL's absolute best markets, um, you know, and one of the, the most worth, the most uh, valuable franchises in the NFL. Pat built that. Pat built this team from Basically, a, a not a laughing stock, but you know, a, a team that wasn't the winningest, though there were great fans, to really one of the premier franchises in all of professional sports. Uh, so, not one way or another, he will get in. There's, there's no doubt in my mind of that. But to get Pat in now, while he's still with us, would be so huge. That'd be such a huge tribute to him and his family, and so well deserved. So, that's obviously the big story with the Hall of Fame, and we hope that those Hall of Fame voters do the right thing. But that's far from the only story, even though it's the big one. Yeah, oh, far from the only story. And one of the things that Joe Ellis said at the end of the season about Pat Bullen making it into the Hall of Fame is, of course, you know, he, he said he wants Pat and he deserves it to make it. But he said the way Pat wants to go in or would want to go in is with another Bronco. And the Broncos have that opportunity this year. They have three other true Broncos, Champ Bailey, Steve Atwater, and John Lynch. I consider John Lynch a a, a true Bronco. Of course, you know, Steve Atwater and and Champ Bailey are are more – uh, true, oh, true no Broncos, doubt. and then there's there's Ty Law. Um, you know, I if I don't mention him, I'm wrong for not mentioning him. Someone will reach out to me. If I do mention him, there's going to be someone that reaches out and says Ty Law is not a Bronco. Okay, yes, he played one season with the team. What seven games? And, seven games. And they went two and five in that <laughs> stretch. It was McDaniel's <laughs> first year. Mike Nolan was the defensive coordinator. There you go. There's all the stats on Ty Law's stretch as a Bronco. Ended his career in orange and blue, so that's noteworthy. And that's, I guess that's all we need to talk about, about right. Ty Law. Um, but the three other guys, Champ Bailey, Steve Atwater, and John Lynch. Uh, Pat Bolin's two of his favorite players ever 
being being with this team for decades was Champ Bailey and Steve Atwater. How could they not be? And exactly. And and how cool would it be yeah. for Pat to go in with both of those guys? That would be so cool. But at, at least one of these guys. So Dre, let let's look at each of these guys individually. Uh yeah. and, and let's let's start with the with the lock here, in my opinion, and that's Champ Bailey. First uh first ballot Hall of Famer, without a doubt in my mind. Uh only guy on this list of Broncos. And I don't know, maybe you could make this case for Ed Reed. Uh, but I think Ed Reed and, okay, Tony Gonzalez as well. So, you know, there's there's an extended list of finalists that I'm looking at here. I think Tony Gonzalez, Ed Reed, Champ Bailey, only three guys on that list who you could make the argument they were the greatest to ever play their position. Mm. And if that doesn't get you in as a first balloter, I don't know what will. Uh, Champ Bailey, of course, you know, I think the 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 counter argument to him going in as a first ballot, and again, to me, Champ, just like Pat, one way or another, he's getting in in the next couple years. It's just a matter of will he get in now or will he have to wait just a little bit? Uh, but the only argument against him would be that he never won that ring, mm. uh, you know, and that the team wasn't the winningest when when he was there, but that's certainly not a fault of chance. So let me stop you there. How important should rings be when we're talking about the NFL in the Hall of Fame? Well, I'm an analytics guy, so to me, not important at all. Um, and, you know, for example, Tony Baselli is on this list, uh, one of the, the absolute best left tackles in college football and in, uh, in the NFL. But this guy played for the expansion Jacksonville Jaguars, and I believe after injuries was then taken in the expansion draft by the Houston Texans. So this guy really did not win much at all, but yet he's a Hall of Fame finalist, and Champ did a lot more than that. So at positions, especially positions outside a quarterback, mm -hmm. winning should really be put thrown out the window. You know, is Barry Sanders not a first ballot Hall of Famer because the Lions, those Lions teams he was on were terrible? No, absolutely not. Now, that can be used as an argument to help someone's case, like right. Terrell Davis, you right. know, with how short, how, how brief his career was, the fact that he was winning league MVP and won back-to-back -back Super Bowls, won as a Super Bowl MVP while breaking records in the game was huge for him to make his case. But that's far from the end-all, be-all. You know, you need to frame it in a holistic way. Everyone's an individual. Everyone's career is different, and it needs to be analyzed as such. Well, I completely agree that the position value should certainly be taken into that in terms of yeah. winning. So then saying what you said, is Eli Manning a, a Hall of Famer? Eli's a really interesting case. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, guys like Terry Bradshaw are in who I think is slightly overrated. You know, there are quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame who are mostly in just because of the rings they won. And I would argue that Eli didn't exactly have, you know, the steel curtain on the opposite side of the field or guys like Lynn Swan and, uh, you know, Hall of Fame wide receiving cores or Franco Harris in the backfield. Uh, he, he played his part in those Super Bowl runs, so... I can't say exactly yes or no. I would be leaning yes on Eli, though. 
One one of the and, and I agree. I agree. What he did those two seasons was was Hall of Fame yeah. worthy for sure. And one of the coolest things about Champ Bailey off the field is that his first name isn't Champ. His first <laughs> that great? his first name is Roland Bailey, wow. and and Champ was just a nickname. How and, different his career would be if we <laughs> know him as Roland. <laughs> exactly. And his parents did that with his brother, who was also a Bronco for a short time, uh, Boss Bailey. Yep. Of course, you had right. Champ and Boss. I just always thought that was one of the coolest things that that their parents did was yeah, give them these nicknames at, at a young age. And you know, I never thought twice about it. About you know. Champ, same. same you know, yeah. Oh, that's a weird name. I never thought about that. Right. Or, or, or boss. I always thought, wow, that's really cool. And now, if you make right. it to the NFL, of course, it sounds even even more boss. Hundred percent. But Boss Bailey's first name is Rodney. So you got Rodney and Roland. And I mean, I'd, in fairness, they could have picked better first names. Like just <laughs> small to criticism <laughs> to the to the Bailey family, who obviously did everything right otherwise. <laughs> Maybe instead of picking such cool nicknames, you could have cool, just, just picked better first names. I don't know. They're like, don't worry about the first name. We're we're gonna get <laughs> right. that fixed. Right, right. <laughs> but on the field, come on, come on. There's no question. I mean, you said he None. should get in sometime. He should get in this year. A hundred percent. He should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. With, yes, with no question about it. And I'm not gonna go through the rest of this list of Broncos and say that. Um, no, no. Ch- right. Champ is different. Like you said. And it's a great point. You can make the argument. And, and anytime you make the argument about who's the best corner of all time, Champ Bailey's in the conversation. 100%. So if you're one of the, what, top five best to ever play the game, you make it into the Hall of Fame right away, just yep. like John Elway did. It's the exact same thing. Yep. It, he, he, he was in that conversation, so no question about it. We're putting him in. I tell you what, um, if Champ does get in as a first balloter, does he become the greatest Broncos defender in franchise history. You'd have guys like Randy Gradshire in that mix. Steve Atwater, definitely. Carl Mettenberger. Uh, Vaughn, of course, would be next in line. Yep. Uh, Simon Fletcher, some might say. Um, there's other guys from those great 77 defenses, the original Orange Crush, which deserve mention. Um, but really, you know, all those other guys, aside from Vaughn, who I assume Vaughn will be a first balloter as well, all those other guys have been overlooked by the Hall of Fame. Does Champ getting in and not being overlooked, is that a sign that you could make the argument he's the greatest Broncos defender in franchise history? Yeah, absolutely. And yet you have a strong argument for it, being a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the only Broncos defensive player to do that now. That it's only going to be what if of ten years, a decade until right. it's probably taken right. over by Vaughn yep. when he's at first ballot and he has a Super Bowl MVP to his right. name, he has the ring. But right. yeah, I mean I think that's that's the case right there. And I think it's a pretty easy one to to just conclude right there. Yeah. That's crazy, huh? That's a that's a great point. So of a storied franchise, the best defensive player to ever play probably should absolutely be a first ballot hall of famer 12 so. pro bowls three first team all pros two second team all pros led the league in interceptions in 2006 should have been the defensive player of the year that season as yep. well yep. uh nfl 2000s all decade team yep and dre i don't remember if this stat is specifically about defensive backs mm-hmm. or if it's about defenders in general uh-huh. there's only five guys that have had 12 pro bowls on the defensive side wow the other four First ballot Hall of Famers. Champ Bailey should join that list without a doubt. Don't Make think twice about yes. it. All right, Dre, the other one, so we both agree on that. The other one, Steve Atwater. 
Steve Atwater. This is the second time that he's been a finalist. The other time was in 2016. Of course, he did not make it that time. Yeah. Uh, the past two years got mulled over. But the fact that he was able to bounce back and make the finalist group again, I think is very, very encouraging. And so the list is 15 guys right now. There's 15 finalists between four and eight can make it just mm-hmm. depending on you know how that 80% vote goes. So you could get half of these guys in, or you could get just a third, less than a third of these guys yeah. in. How do you feel about Steve's chances? Boy, it's a strong class, too. As I was saying, you know, with Champ, you have guys like Tony Gonzalez and Ed Reed, who you could argue were the be- greatest to ever do it at their position. You have guys like Isaac Bruce. John Lynch will be giving them serious competition. Steve Hutchinson, that's another guy who you could argue uh, one of the best to ever do it at the guard position. So it's going to be an uphill battle for Steve. Um, I, in my mind, I'm sure I'm biased, uh, but he 100% deserves it. In the 90s, not only was he you know, one of the best safeties at his position, and unlike Champ, he does have the rings to prove it. But the, you know, in... I'm at the office and I talk to Brandon a lot, who's just a a smidge older than us, our CEO, one of the Bama boys who you you heard last week. And um, one thing that Brandon always talks about is how Champ wasn't just that enforcer and just that destroyer in the box, which is really what he's known for, is knocking fools out and ruining guys' careers and just being a, a, a complete enforcer. But he was a true modern safety he kind of started the modern safety where you were jacked up like a linebacker and could hit like one but you could also cover the entire field and had speed to your game and cover skills he changed the game he was a prototype that now the rest of the nfl has had to follow and find other steve atwaters to play safety you're jamal adams in new york right now and guys like sean taylor and and you know all these other studs cam chancellors of the world and Stuff like that. So with that, you know, he's more than just a a great Bronco and a guy who got in lots of highlights and won rings. He's a player who's revolutionary, who changed the game. And I hope that the Hall of Fame committee can acknowledge that and realize that and put Steve Adder in, Steve Atwater in as he deserves. We should also mention you've talked to him a lot more than I have. But, you know, in our jobs, because he does radio now, we've gotten a a chance to briefly meet Steve. Truly one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Oh, my gosh. Without a doubt. I mean, ha- it, it's sometimes cheesy to say Hall of Fame player, Hall of Fame person, but Steve Atwater oh my God. absolutely is that. Uh, and and one, one of the things, whether it was intentionally or not, but he's gotten back in the limelight the past few years, yep. working with the Broncos, uh, working with the uh, with some players as kind of a, a mentor, but also on the radio. He's getting his name out there. That's yeah. something that Terrell Davis told him to do, right? Uh, because TD got back in, in yep. into TV, got into mm-hmm. TV, really got his name out there. Then boom, Hall of Fame. Uh, and that's again intentionally or not, whether it's to get in the Hall of Fame or not. That's something that Steve has done, and. It, look, it, it's helped him. He's he's a finalist now. Yeah. He should absolutely be there. Like you said, he he changed the position. Yep. Uh, he was able to cover. He was huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he trump right now. He trumps linebackers oh, on yeah. the Broncos. He, oh yeah. I mean, he's 
Von, he's bigger than Von Miller. I mean, he's huge, and he was a safety. Unbelievable. And he was able to get anywhere on the field. Uh, he was able to cover deep, get picks. He was able to come up and just smash people. Uh, heat, no question that he should be in saying that. Do you know when Steve's career started? Um, yes. It's, Do you have that handy? It, it started in 1989. 89. So he would have missed the drive season, and it's possible he misses the fumble. So he wouldn't have been in all the Super Bowls Elway was in, but that guy still played in a ton of Super Bowls. That's the other thing you need to forget. Not only did he win the two, he played in a ton of Super Bowls. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic point. Went to Arkansas, was an eight-time Pro Bowler, two-time Super Bowl champion, has those rings. Two-time first-team All-Pro, uh, second-team All-Pro, the 1990s All-Decade team. Yeah. There you go. Don't that, make this harder to me, than it needs to be. The All-Decade teams should, frankly, all get in. Right. I can, there's no, like, it's not like, oh, you made the All-Decade team, but, boy, those 90s safeties was a really re- weak group. Like, no, no way. If you're an All-Decade teamer, you have to get in. Without Plain and simple. With Without a doubt, <sighs> Dre saying all of that. I don't oh, think no. it's I don't think it's going to happen this year. I'm worried it's not going to happen. I don't think too. it's going to happen because yeah. like like you've done a good job of look at the other guys. Ed Reed. I know. I mean, he he's a guy that <sighs> he's a first balloter. He he's a first balloter he and just knowing, you know, the, the Hall of Fame, the way these guys think, he's in their minds more than than Steve Atwater. Safeties, yeah, they got they got uh Brian Dawkins in last year. Mm-hmm. He went in. But before that, it's tough to get a safety in. Yeah. Now you're going to have Ed Reed. Just, again, knowing the way these Hall of Fame vo- voters think, they're going to say, whoa, okay, we put one in last year. We put one in this year. We can't put two in this year. And That leads us to John Lynch, kind of. He's the other competition at exactly, the safety position. Exactly, exactly. Now we move to John. And then, I mean, you, you may have Steve and John that just kind of hurt each other that eat away from each other's votes and, and uh, cannibalize themselves yep. in that yep. way. And then maybe one of them would make it if the other one wasn't there, but both of them in there, it's it's going to be tough. And I would probably say that John has a better chance of making it this year than Steve, yeah. even though, you know, I probably wouldn't do it that way. I would probably go Steve yeah. before John, and I would do Steve this year without a doubt. Right. I don't think it's viewed that way. No, and I think um, – what John really has going for him, and I'll love to hear the stats on how many Pro Bowls he has compared to Atwater and, um, you know, all-decade teams and uh, first-team first all-pros and stuff like that. But what John has going for him is he was the starting safety on arguably one of the greatest defenses of all time. And that's what Ed Reed has going for him as well. Uh, and that, to me fair or not because it's a it's a longevity thing it's about career and and that kind of stuff that really stands out to people and and that's what people remember and he was with the broncos in 05 right when uh they were the top seed in the afc and went all the way to the afc championship and uh you know lost that home to the steelers but were really a a contender that'd be arguably champ bailey's best year as a on the the best team champ played so lynch has some pretty special seasons under his belt and obviously you know he's in connections networking that makes a difference too he's in a front office now 
I think that helps him. So fair or not, I do get a feeling that John will get in ahead of Steve. And that's exactly how I feel it's going to play out too. So that just makes it even more important that Champ gets in. Yeah. And that Champ yes. goes in. Uh, not only do the Broncos get the first defender in there, but he goes in with Pat this year, yep. who I have no question that, that Pat will make it. And that would just be so special for two Broncos to go in, one of them being Pat and the other being Champ. Uh, so so we'll keep our eye on that, obviously. Hopefully it's a celebratory podcast on that topic right. on Monday morning. Um, and, and maybe Ryan can get some scoops down there uh, talking to players. I, I know he's talking to some Hall of Fame voters about, you know, Pat, maybe Champ. Some right. of them don't want to open up on the players, which I understand because, the, you know, they haven't voted on it yet. Right. Uh, but but, but we'll, get, we'll pick his brain the next 24 hours to see what's going on there. All right, Dre, let's jump into a mock draft right after this break. Green Mountain Dental Group is a family-owned business that has been a staple in Lakewood for over 40 years. Whether it's cosmetic, oral surgery, or preventative dentistry, at Green Mountain Dental Group you will find nothing but the best. We have chosen Green Mountain Dental and will continue to attend Green Mountain Dental because of the superior care that we receive from them. Their facility is amazing and above all, it's the personal touch that we receive from the people there, including Dr. Ben Jr. and Ann and Mary and Sherry and Marie. They've known me as my husband, my children, and now my grandchildren and are just incredible with all of us. That was Annette. She's been a patient at Green Mountain Dental Group since 1976 and truly loves their service. Never did I think in 1976 how blessed we would be to recognize the people at Green Mountain Dental and are so thankful that they have been a part of our lives. For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Just mention BSN Denver. Welcome back into the BSN Broncos podcast. Zach Stevens rolling along with Andre Simone. Of course, Ryan Koningsberg is down in Atlanta covering all the Super Bowl stuff. We hope to talk to him at some time this week. And Dre, how can I do a full week of pods with you? and not do a mock draft. I mean, it is one of – mock drafts are just one of, one of the best things ever. But when I have a draft <laughs> guru – Oh, hey, I love them. Maybe it's because I, I don't entrench myself in that world oh my God. like you just have to for your job. Yeah. But how it, when I'm with you, how do I not do a mock draft? Heck, maybe we need to do a mock draft tomorrow too. So let's dive into a mock draft. Let's do the first 10 picks and see what's left for the Broncos – at number 10 and see what kind of shakes out before because I'll tell you what and and I guess we'll just start with the first overall pick a few months ago there was everything I had read which is nothing compared to what you've read people you've talked to all the research you do but everything I saw was don't even think about the first pick it's Nick Bosa right move on whoever's there at number two that's really the first pick Mm mm-hmm I've done s- s- some some looking around the past few weeks. That is not the case anymore. At least that's that's what I'm seeing. And uh, yeah, not to give away your first overall pick, but it's not Nick Bosa. So tell me who your first overall pick is. I really think the ideal scenario would be Nick Bosa stays as the number one pick, but Arizona and San Francisco, who San Francisco has the second pick, Arizona has the first, come to some sort of minor deal to swap picks. And boom, everyone gets the player they want. I just don't think that 
Um, you know, the Cardinals already have Chandler, Chandler Jones. They have a decent rotation of edge rushers behind him. I just think a guy in the middle to complement those guys is more important than Nick Bosa, an edge rusher who, I don't know. I don't know if he's the most natural fit in a 3-4 as an outside linebacker either, which, of course, that's where he'd have to play in San Francisco anyway. So uh, the first two picks wouldn't be a natural fit. But um, I went with Quinnen Williams, the mm. interior defensive lineman out of Alabama. Mm. Got some... putting a smile on my face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Your team. We uh, I got some great quotes from Ross Pierschbacher, the center for Alabama, guy who started at Bama for like four years on the offensive line and, you know, has played in the playoffs his entire career, uh, played against just even in practices at Alabama, some other first-rounders like De'Aaron Payne, who had a great rookie season um, this year for the Washington Redskins. And he was asked, who's the best? I asked him, "Who who's the best player you've ever played against? Quinnen Williams was his answer. Mm. And he said, what makes Quinnen Williams so devastating is that he plays that nose tackle position and is just so amazingly quick. You know, he snaps the ball and he's trying to, because he's a center, Pierce Bacher, he's trying to retreat as quickly as he possibly can. And Quinton Williams is so fast. He's already on top of you and he's working on his hands and he's pulling swim moves on you. And he's just devastating to block. And we've seen that every game he's played this year. Uh, you know, Oklahoma came in as the best offensive line in the country. He just tore those guys apart. Uh, so I think, you know, you're really splitting hairs between Quinton Williams and Nick Bosa. And given the needs, I kind of flipped the script and said, Quinton Williams is going one, Nick Bosa goes two. I love that. I love that, Dre. And is Quinton Williams try, supposed to be the next Aaron Donald? I mean, is that how good he's supposed to be? Uh, you know, maybe I'm just a, a picky draft, Nick, uh, but Aaron Donald is the most amazing tape I'd ever seen. Mm. The only reason he dropped to 10 was he was undersized. Mm. But this is a guy who ran like a 4-6 um, and had like, I think, over 40 tackles for a loss in his final two years. Wow. He was getting triple teamed at Pitt. You know, not a great defense, not loaded with NFL talent. He's the one guy you had to stop. And just wrecking, wrecking offensive lines that had a ton of NFL talent. He's the most amazing. We talk about unicorns and stuff. <laughs> Aaron Donald is a unicorn, 100%. So I think it'd be unfair, just from my perspective, to compare anyone to Aaron Donald. He's a little different, but as a nose tackle, while Donald is more that penetrating defensive tackle, a three technique, as right, we call him, right. um, as a nose tackle, as that zero or one technique, Quinnen Williams is that type of game changer and rare talent. So, so, yes. so Nick Bosa falls all the way to number two. Oh, such a <laughs> long fall. Man, when are the when are the San Francisco 49ers going to stop drafting front seven guys? Yeah, no kidding. It's incredible. In the first round, how many of those guys they right. get? Is Solomon Thomas a bust? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, And I, I think Eric Armstead isn't much better. Um, the first Buckner they hit, but the thing is Bosa – 
he's that edge rusher they need. They have down linemen in a three-man front. They have no one coming off the edge. Ever since Alden Smith got in trouble off field, they've kind of been lacking that guy. And Bosa could could be that and so much more. Yeah, I uh, I have some 49ers friends. And, of course, I can never say anything the 49ers do is a good move. So I call him DeForest Bustner. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yep, yep. So number three overall, we have the New York Jets. They have a quarterback already. They have a quarterback. They need a ton of talent all over and this is where i think trade being able to trade up really opens up those mm. quarterback needy teams who are jostling for position they'll be targeting that third spot from the jets because the jets themselves moved up from six to three swapped with the indianapolis colts that assured him sam darnold yep. and gave quinn and williams to the colts but it also gave the colts three second rounders yep one of which they have to pay this season. And I think with the Jets just lacking depth and premium talent, they'll be trying to at least add a second rounder this year, if not more. And this is where things really open up for trades. Boy, that's a that's a fascinating point. If they can make up for what they lost to trade up to get their quarterback last year, Such that would a win. be... Oh, yeah. such a win! Yeah. I mean, now you're not now you're not talking. Oh yeah, well, you know, it, it's Sam Darnold, but we also had to give three seconds. It's just no, we got Sam Darnold, the guy we wanted. Right. Man, that's a really good point, and they may be able to get more than three oh, yeah. second round picks because Boy, if only the Broncos made that move from five to three, huh? Mm. Wouldn't we be sitting pretty now and mm. thinking like, ah, well, and what it would have taken two second round picks, right? Because didn't right. the, didn't the Jets technically discount? give up a second-round pick for each spot they moved up? Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And even if you gave up three, it's like, who cares? Right, exactly. Who who cares? And you're looking, the Giants, if you want to do a similar trade from last year, the Giants are sitting at six. I mean, right. the Jets could just recoup. They could say, just give us the exact same deal, and we'll make the deal. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? <laughs> That's wild. That yeah. is wild. So let's say they stay there. But but I like that. That's where a spot right. can open up. Well, I guess really quick, before you give me the pick, who is in the market, in your mind, to trade all the way up to three for a quarterback? What teams? Giants, definitely, though it's still unclear. Are they ready to move off of Eli? <laughs> Do they believe in Lauletta or Webb, who they have uh, waiting as developmental quarterbacks? You know, they surprised everyone by going Saquon Barkley at number two last year with Sam Darnold staring them in the face. So... I wouldn't put it past them to do that again. If they've come to their senses, I think the Giants are the number one candidate to pull off the trade you just mentioned. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars have to be in that mix as well. Uh, of course, our Denver Broncos have to be in that mix. And further down the line, the Washington Redskins, mm. who we talked about on yesterday's pod. The Miami Dolphins, new head coach, kind of trying to switch things up. I think they're ready to move on from Tannehill. Could they be in the mix? And, you know, to a lesser extent, maybe teams like the Packers, the San Diego, the Los Angeles Chargers, teams mm -hmm. that are trying to look for trying to look ahead and find that heir apparent to guys uh, who've had great careers. But it might be time to move on from. So really, there's not that many teams that the Broncos are contending with. I mean, the no. Giants and the Jags have an easier path mm -hmm. to do that where you may not have to be dealing with multiple first-round picks. Probably with right. the Jags, you're, you're dealing with multiple first-round picks. Yeah. With the Broncos, you're clearly dealing with multiple first-round picks, and the Redskins would have to trade the farm and 
They've, yeah. they've done yep. that before mm-hmm. as an organization, so maybe yep. they do it again. So let's say everything stays stays where it is right now. Who are the Jets picking? Boy, I'd love to go with an offensive player, whether it's on the O-line or a playmaker for Sam Darnold, but really Josh Allen, the edge rusher from Kentucky, who was had a phenomenal season in the SEC after a really good season last year. They already have some great building blocks on defense with Jamal Adams and Leonard Williams up front. I mean, I think that combo is just terrific. Adding a dynamic edge rusher outside, a speed rusher would be phenomenal, and uh, Josh Allen would fit that bill and look really nice for them. And, man, it it wouldn't make sense to reach for an offensive player for them sitting at three. No. They should, should, if if they want to do that, they should trade up. Uh, from the their second round pick early in the second right. round back into the well, first. They don't that. have that second round. Oh, you're right. Oh, okay. That's why they're going to be back. really yeah. interested to add talent and mm. take advantage of a maybe not a top heavy wide receiver class, maybe not a top heavy offensive line class, but a deeper class right. where you know in that 25 to 50 range you'll have some really solid options. You could double up on picks in that range. The Jets will be happy to make a trade. All right, coming in at four, you have the Oakland Raiders, and you have a note here that says, this is where the draft gets interesting. Yes, sir. This is where it really gets interesting. I think everything is on the table for the Raiders. Uh, They obviously are the most loaded in draft capital of any team in the draft. They have two other first-rounders. So whether they, you know, whatever position they want to address, they can kind of play the board and say, like, oh, well, maybe – Maybe I wait for my quarterback till later in the first round. Maybe I wait on my O-line or D-line till later in the first round. The big, big things they need are edge rushers to replace Khalil Mack, wide receiver to replace Amari Cooper, and maybe a quarterback of the future. I mean, it is a disaster down in Oakland. Well, not even down in Oakland. Uh, you know, uh, wherever wasn't. they are. So, I mean, and... Uh, we were some of the first people to point out, boy, it sounded like Gruden really likes Kyler Murray, bringing him up unprompted. Since then, I've heard more, uh, more. Re- r- 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 they're not even reports. They're rumors slash reports that fair, the Raiders fair. like him. And we were saying off air while in Mobile, wouldn't it be great if they stayed in Oakland and then Kyler Murray could play both sports? Wouldn't that be amazing? Oh, yep. Uh, but it, it won't work out that way. He unless... says, if you draft me, you have to stay in Oakland. And you can't move to, instantly to Vegas. Instantly become a legend. <laughs> like, he saves the city of Oakland. That would be just such legendary status. <sighs> Maybe I've spent too much time with you, Zach. (laughs) I love it, Drake. I feel like maybe Kyler Murray will drop, and the Raiders are cognizant of that and Mm. could package their other two first-rounders to move up and get him. I just get... I get vibes of like Lamar Jackson last year where the NFL might not, you know, they're scared off a little bit. My man. Um, so I, and, and since we already have three, two edge rushers gone in the first three picks, Wild. I figured they better find the heir to Khalil Mack now. And they went with Cleland Farrell out of Clemson, a guy who I would be terrified to have to play twice a year because this guy has length, power, speed, very productive, great against the run, and a great pass rusher. Really a dynamic player. That is wild that you're still getting that good of a player, and and he's the third player in that position picked in the first four picks. That is wild. Shows you how deep that class is. All right, next team, Tampa Bay sitting at five. 
Tampa's another of those where uh, they're kind of a tricky team. I think they really should go offense. And if they're going to stick with Jameis Winston or, I don't know, Fitzmagic, who they'd have to re-sign or whatever, um, you know, but they they do have Bruce Arians, yes? Yep. So they're 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 trying to stick and fix the offense. Exactly. I think you want to go with the best offensive lineman, and that would be Jonah Williams out of Alabama, who a lot of people have gotten down on because there's length concerns and what have you. Look, to me on tape, he's clearly been the best offensive lineman in college football the last two years. Don't get too cute about it. Pick him up, plug him in wherever you think is best, and get yourself a top-end starter for the next 10 years. Yeah, it's not too bad to to get yeah. a, a top end starter for the next ten years. All right, number six, New York Giants. They'd be ecstatic if things fall this way. I think they'd be stupid not to jump on a quarterback if the best quarterback drops to them at number six, and they go with Dwayne Haskins. Easy pick. Dwayne Haskins, a New Jersey kid too, so mm, very local. Very easy pick for them. They get the top quarterback mm-hmm. with the sixth pick. Then Saquon Barkley Crazy. doesn't look like such a bad pick anymore. No, not at in, all. In terms of, you know, oh, they passed on a quarterback. Right. Now they now they get the best quarterback. In the, they wouldn't have got the best yep. quarterback in the draft last year regardless. Right. That'd be interesting. That yeah. would be interesting. You know what's crazy is if Haskins does go in the first round, which I think is just about a lock, he'd be the first um, quarterback selected from the Big Ten Conference in a long, long time to go in the first round. Really? A conference that's produced... Oh, you know, just Tom Brady and Drew Brees. <laughs> no one's special, Zach. Um, so wild. that'd be kind of crazy, huh? Yeah. 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 Yeah, with those schools there? Yeah. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. All right, one quarterback is off the board, and the Jacksonville Jaguars, a quarterback needy team, yep. are up with the seventh overall pick. Yeah, so look, you if as a Broncos fan, and you if you, you're with us and you'd like them to select a quarterback, you're really hoping the Jags are big players in free agency and take a Nick Foles, take a Joe Flacco, take someone like that um, because they kind of feel like the Broncos two years ago where they're like, you know, we were in the AFC championship just a year ago. Our defense hasn't changed much. We get that O-line and running back room to develop a little. We might be going somewhere, but I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're ready to move on and they go with Drew Locke, who I think uh, parlays his senior bowl week into a top 10 pick. And this is why moving up ahead of the Giants at six is so essential. Yep. This is why that third pick or maybe even that second pick where you call your old buddy John Lynch, John calls John, make something happen. That's why this is so crucial because you wait till the 10th pick, even if it is a three-quarterback class, like I've said, it's it might just not work out in your favor. Let's say the Giants or, or let's say Oakland doesn't grab Kyler Murray in the draft. Then... All you need is the Giants or Jacksonville to go get a quarterback in free agency, and that's not going to be the Giants. It's going to be the right. Jags. So you, right. you hope that they do something to get their quarterback because I don't see a scenario Big time. where the Giants pass up on a quarterback, and I don't see a scenario where if the Jags don't get one of those guys in free agency or via trade, I don't see there's a way that they pass up on a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, there is no way. They're bringing back their entire staff, basically, they're, they didn't really fire anyone um, of, you know, anyone noteworthy. They're trying to run this thing back, and I think their plan is we just need to upgrade at quarterback and we can be a real contender. 
if they don't do it in free agency, they'll be doing it in the draft for sure. And that's how my quarterback board would look as well. Dwayne Haskins one, uh, Drew Locke two. Maybe you luck out with one of those teams going with Daniel Jones. Now, it's clear mm-hmm. you and I don't think he's the truth. Yep. There's still a lot of people that think he, he can be the truth. Yeah, it's crazy. I just wonder if the next two months, if teams are really going to sit with all three of these guys and, and have Daniel Jones above one of the other two. But that's the only other way mm-hmm. the Broncos luck out. All right, number eight pick, Detroit Lions. Yeah, this is a little um less relevant to the Broncos. The Lions could go a few different ways. I went with the best cornerback on the board and Greedy Williams. Uh, they could pair him with Darius Slay and have one of the best combos of uh, cornerbacks in the league, which would go a long way. Yeah, that that's a, a the solid pick for them. Uh, I actually did not know that he was like Champ Bailey. I thought Greedy was his first name. No, that's uh, <laughs> Andres is, I guess. So, And Greedy, you know, people are starting to knock Greedy a little bit. We'll see what the buzz is after Indianapolis from the Combine. Because him and Jonah Williams are the two guys in this top 10 who, right? if the buzz picks up, they could be guys who we thought in the season were top 10 picks but fall off, as will happen every draft. I'm happy you brought that up because I've seen Greedy go as high as like three Mm -hmm. in mock drafts. I saw one yesterday where he was in the 20s, and I yep. was like, what in the world? But yep. So that's why. Yep. He, he's he's fluctuating a ton. And I know uh, a favorite of Broncos fans who are probably disappointed to see him go. Exactly. One pick left before the Broncos. A lot of talent still on the board. You got Buffalo sitting at nine. Buffalo, um, another of those teams where you say, boy, in an ideal world, they would love to go offense. They would love to upgrade their O-line for Josh Allen or find Josh Allen a gosh darn wide receiver. The value just isn't right. Yeah. So Sean McDermott, who already took a 19-year-old linebacker in Tremaine Edmonds last year, yep. great pick in my mind, played really well. McDermott's defense in Carolina, they had Luke Heakley, they had Todd Davis, they still drafted Shaq Thompson. It's not necessarily a Fanjo defense, but it's similar in the linebackers are really the star of that defense. And considering outside of Edmonds, they're a little older at the linebacking position, they go Devin White, one of my favorite players Mm -hmm. in the entire draft. Linebacker out of LSU, another guy that Broncos fans, and especially Vic Fangio, I think, would be a little disappointed to see gone at this point. Absolutely. Definitely a Vic Fangio type of guy. Now, if he's there, I don't know if that necessarily means the Broncos take him, but certainly an ideal player for Vic. All right, Dre, last pick. Broncos are on the clock, sitting there at number 10. And here's the note you have. It's a debate. It's a debate. We're going to pick this as a team. I'm not pulling the trigger. (laughs) We're pulling the trigger together, buddy. And you left a lot of interesting names here. And all I can say, Dre... Tough choice, huh? It's a tough choice, and I think it's a bad choice. Yeah. I think think the way this draft fell is not not great. It's not. It's not good. So why don't you read us some names? So I think Ed Oliver is the clear best player available, the dynamic inside uh, pass rusher from Houston. Kind of had a down year, but if there's anyone we're trying to compare to Aaron Donald, he's the one. Mm. Um, Consensus, you know, top player coming out of high school, uh, best player in the state of Texas, and just a a monster. You know, having Chubb and Miller outside (sighs) and Oliver inside. Give me a break. You know, it'd be... It'd be better than that Malik Jackson, Derek Wolf, too, some we had during oh, yeah. Super Bowl 50. 
Um, then Kyler Murray, of course, the best quarterback available. Daniel Jones, for those who haven't fallen off on Daniel Jones. And if you, as you've pointed out, Daniel Jones still has a lot of fans in the scout community. I was surprised to see this because I'm writing a piece that you should see very soon on the site when you hear this on how, to me, he completely dropped off and took himself out of contention for a top 10 pick. That's not necessarily the case for everyone. Cody Ford, probably the best offensive lineman remaining. Uh, right tackle at Oklahoma could be a just a devastating guard. Uh, give him to Mike Munchak. You could do some big things. Mm. Or Yadni Kajust, if you want that more athletic dancing bear with length, would be an option. And finally, I put Rashawn Gary out of Michigan, who's another top recruit like Oliver. 290-pound guy who probably played out of position as more of an edge rusher. In a 3-4, he becomes a, you know, a five-technique, a defensive end on the three-man front. This guy is rumored to run like a 4-7. Wow. At 280, 290 pounds. So a dynamic athlete, sky's the limit for his upside. So, you know, you've got quarterback options, you've got O-line options, and you've got inside pass rushing options, which I think if we're being honest, that's where the best value is, is in those interior defensive linemen. And let me ask you about one of them. What's dropped at Oliver? Just a down season. Just a down season, lots of injuries. The tape wasn't great. Um, and partially because of injuries, partially it's him getting into a heated fight with his coach and almost, uh, you know, almost on the sideline, them go taking blows at each other and having to be separated all because the coach, while Oliver was on the sideline injured and mind you, Oliver could have pulled the Nick Bosa and said, you know what? This isn't my season. Injuries are too much. I'm just going to go prepare for the draft. He's stuck with the team. Yep. Is there on the sideline supporting his teammates? Well, Houston has a rule. You're not allowed to wear a jacket on the sideline if you're not playing. <laughs> so that's why Ed Oliver got mad. You've yeah. you got to be kidding me. Welcome to the draft season where things are ridiculous. <laughs> so, so are character concerns not as big of an issue for him? Just let him wear a jacket. Jeez. Okay, okay. <laughs> let, the, let the man stay warm? Yeah, let the man stay warm. He's from Texas. Well, then, Dre, for me... This is an easy one. Now, kind of blending what I'd want with, the, with what I think the Broncos would want. I'm all about quarterback, baby. All about quarterback, yep. I don't think Agreed. Daniel Jones is a guy. Nope. Kyler Murray, I don't think the Broncos will consider him That's my one concern, all. yep. And if the Broncos do consider him, then you go Kyler Murray. 100%. And you get potentially the most mm-hmm. dynamic player in the draft yep. at number 10. Right. It's also the biggest risk in the world. Big you, time. He he may be on your team and play three snaps, and you realize, oh, my <laughs> God, what did we just do? Right. What did we do wasting a top 10 pick? Right. And that's why I think I think that's going to be John's mindset is way too much bust potential, way too much bust potential. I played quarterback in this league. I know what it I takes know, to be a quarterback. Right, I know right. you can't be five foot eight. Yeah, and Ryan got some good quotes from him on Kyler Murray and – uh he he was open about not having fully done research, but he sounded intrigued. Now, is that just lip service? And sure. I'm afraid it is, but uh, he did talk about how mobility is important for him in a quarterback. And I don't know, John, he was a two-sport star like you. Make, <laughs> make the right decision, John. Um, I would Kyler Murray would clearly be the pick for me. I agree with you. I 
I wonder if that's how the Broncos would feel. So for what you told me about Ed Oliver's character concerns, because I thought they were more concerns uh, than just that, I'm going Ed Oliver. That's what I'm leaning towards, too. He's the best player available. I also think, you know, we've seen a trend. John just feels more comfortable going with defense, whether it's his coaching hires, whether it's his draft picks. He just feels more comfortable picking defense and, to his credit, has had success doing so. I mean, his ring was because of the good decisions that his ring as a general manager was because of the good decisions he made on the defensive side of the roster a lot more than the offensive side. And I get a feeling if things fall this way, he'd go get an interior edge rusher and take that front seven to the next level and say, look, Vic, Ed, you guys have what you need up front. You're the great linebacker and defensive back coaches. Coach them up on the back end. Make it work. You're only going to have to cover for like two and a half seconds with these three guys. Make it happen. I've given you all you need. Then who's the quarterback? Is it Nick Foles? Is it? I mean, who is it? Maybe it's uh, maybe it's Stidham in the second round. Oh man, I hate that. This pod today, in the first and, and third segment right now, has made me realize you need to trade up. Yep. You you have to trade up. Mm-hmm. You have to do it now. The question is: Is it to number two? Is it to number three? Is it to? Uh, Number six, or probably not six. They Number five with Tampa. Yeah. Maybe the Giants trade with the Jets. The Jets get the exact same return yep. that they gave last yep. year. And then the Jets Double down. at six trade with the Broncos. Because, hey, I mean, we just said they can still get uh, an Ed Oliver. They could still get a, a, a the second-best offensive tackle. Right. And they could pick up, what, three second-round picks with that first mm-hmm. trade. And then a first round, an additional first round pick from the Broncos. Right. Right. Man. Not bad. And they already have their quarterback. Yeah. That'd be a great haul. That would be a huge win That'd be interesting. for the Jets. And they still get a great player. Or they end up with Ed Oliver. Right. Right there. And great player on defense. Right. And I mean, forget the Broncos' feelings about Kyler Murray. It's entirely possible Kyler Murray goes first overall. He goes fourth overall to yep. the Raiders. Uh, maybe the Jags are feeling creative and want to take a big swing. You yep. know, maybe, maybe the Giants say, "Look, we've got a backfield with Saquon Barkley already. We get a guy that's as dynamic mm. as him, throwing at Odell Beckham and Evan Ingram, one of the fastest tight ends in the entire league. We're going to be just fine." I know Ryan will hate to hear this, but that's probably the best thing for the Broncos is for Kyler Murray to be picked before the Broncos are there mm-hmm. because he's not going to be an I don't believe he's going to be an option for them and then if he's taken then maybe that means that's the Giants that took him and then right. Dwayne Haskins falls or Drew Locke right. falls a guy that the Broncos actually want right. at quarterback and then you don't have to trade up or instead of going from 10 to 2 you go from 10 to 7 right can i say the doomsday scenario here from our perspective is they sit at 10 and they do take a quarterback and that quarterback's Daniel Jones yes how terrifying is that? <laughs> After everything we've said and oh, because yikes. of everything we've seen and everything we've heard from him, that is. that. But I think he's more of a John Elway guy than Kyler Murray. Well, I hope so. So in this situation, you have them both still on the board. And I would say if if, if John had to pick, it'd be Daniel Jones. Scangarello and TC. Get John, <laughs> get John to think right. <laughs> Do your magic in yeah, the next few months. Do your magic. Good luck yeah. as uh, – as a guy born in 89 
and a guy Yuck. that's been in the league for four seasons with TC and right. Scangarello. Good luck convincing John Elway to go that route. And for that, that'll do it today. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you are enjoying catching up on all these pods. Andre, I loved rolling with you again today. Yeah, Real and pleasure. and for, for us, that's it. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Hey, BSN fans, your favorite Colorado Sports Network has partnered with your favorite Colorado beer, and we're giving them away for free. But in true BSN fashion, we're not letting you go to some major chain for it. We want you to go to your local neighborhood bar and support a real Colorado business. That's why we've created the bar page where any BSN subscriber can go in and get a free beer whenever they want. Just go to bsnbars.com and you can get one free Coors Banquet at any bar on that list. All you have to do is show the bartender the VIP image on that page in your browser and you can retrieve a free Coors Banquet beer at any of those bars. There are over 20 bars there. You're sure to find one close to you. It's bsnbars.com. Find a bar and get a free Coors Banquet on the house. Thanks for listening to the BSN Denver Podcast Network.